So, uh, we are continuing in 1 John, in case you missed that. 1 John, uh, we are in 1 John chapter 2. Appreciate Haley and Amanda last week sharing with us. Anybody uh, like them coming up and sharing with us? Yes? Two of you? All right. Uh, I got to listen to it this week and I thought it was a great job. So we are looking at 1 John chapter 2, continuing our series uh, entitled Abide and um, talking about continuing in a relationship with Jesus, continuing in a walk with God. And uh, it's a a great book. Again, I challenge you, if you haven't yet, open up the book of 1 John and start reading it with us. It's, uh, it's, It's an awesome book, a great challenge for us as we read. So if you want to follow along, we're going to be in 1 John 2, 7 through 11 today, and we're going to be covering uh, about five verses there. So let's read together. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light, but hates a brother or sister, is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Let's pray this morning. Dear God, we just uh, praise you and thank you again for the time we can have in your word, the freedom we have uh, to read your word out loud in public and to study it together. I pray that you'll show us something amazing Uh, through your Holy Spirit's power this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to look at the first few verses here, the old and the new commandment that he gives uh, in 1 John chapter 2. It's kind of a little confusing. Sometimes uh, writers in the Bible, they write a little bit and it's kind of of twisting a little bit what they're saying. You you read it and you're like, wait, is it an old command or is it a new command? Uh, Can John make up his mind here? Because he's saying it's not an old command, but then he's saying it is, and it's not a new command, but then it is. So we kind of have to figure that out a little bit before we get further on in the subject. So verses 7 and 8 you see here, Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. So what command is he talking about? How can it be old and new at the same time? What is John trying to say here? Does anybody know, have any idea what this command might be? Anybody? It's a command that's given in Scripture, and it's both old and new. Yes. Good point. Yeah, so I might have you come up here and teach. Uh, it's a something that he had already told them to do, but they weren't doing. Remember, this is John speaking in his old age. This is John as an old guy right now, speaking to a lot younger believers. And so maybe something that he was trying to tell them uh, that they didn't quite get, they weren't quite following. I think the next slide shows us and reveals to us In 2 John 5, when he wrote the book of 2 John, he was actually writing to this woman there and some of the people that were uh, like involved with her, like friends of hers and family members. If you look at 2 John, there's only one chapter. That's why there's only one number after it. 2 John 5, he says, And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. 
What does it say? I ask that we love one another. There's the command. So if we look at 1 John in that context, and we see in John also, and we see in other passages, the, one of the greatest commands, the greatest command that was ever given, it says, love the Lord your God, right? With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor, anybody have the rest? As yourself. So the concept that John is working with is what's considered to be an old command, but it's also a new command, and it's new also because it was new in the life of these believers. Just because the command is given, we can't expect maybe someone that doesn't know Jesus to follow that command. It's kind of funny and, and interesting that maybe sometimes our parents, they're watching the news, and they get freaked out about somebody who's doing things that are ridiculously wrong. But if they're not a believer, how in the world can we expect them to follow a command to love one another? A command that's given from the Bible. It's kind of ridiculous to really think that someone can have the capacity to do that when they don't have Jesus living inside them. They don't have the Holy Spirit guiding them. But for us as believers and some of you as new believers, then you see that sometimes it can be an old command, but it can also be a new command coming alive inside of you to love one another. And hopefully that's what's bursting out in you, this love for one another, and that's how it's a new command as well. And I was thinking about uh, just something to illustrate it uh, as far as how can we see that this love that really doesn't come naturally. All I have to do is look at Sydney and Kendall and even Noah now to see that love for each other isn't a natural thing a lot of times. How many of you have siblings, brothers or sisters? How many of you find, you can keep your hand up, put it down if, if this statement is not true of you. If it's true of you, keep your hand up. You find it hard a lot of times to show love to your brothers and sisters like you should. Keep your hand up if that is true. So if you put your hand down, that means that you are amazing because you can show them love like that, and it doesn't matter what they do to you. Go ahead and put your hands down. So I thought about this, this flashlight. Sydney got this little flashlight, and it's a really powerful, cool flashlight, little LED action. But if I took the battery out of this flashlight, and I had it in there, or the battery was dead, and I had it in there, and I kept pressing the button, and I'm just pressing the button, and I'm, I get, start getting angry at this flashlight. Why don't you work? Do your job, flashlight. What's wrong with you? And I start yelling at it, and I get frustrated with it. Would I be like, uh, would I look like an idiot? You know, what's wrong with you? And then Candace is like, give me this thing. And then she says, put, make sure I put it in the right way. And then we put the batteries in, and hopefully, I put them in the right way. Yeah, yeah, here we go. And then the flashlight. Actually, if you screw it on all the way, the flashlight works. Look how strong that is. It's blinding you in the third row. Uh, so the flashlight actually works, right? And so something that's working that this flashlight was intended for can't work without what? Batteries. Yes, you can say it louder. It can't work without what? Batteries. So the point I'm trying to make is this. You can picture yourself like this flashlight. But without Christ in your life, to expect you to perform, perform, so to speak, I don't like that word, to expect you to act in a way that honors God is impossible. 
to expect you to love others and to be a light really doesn't work because I'm expecting something of you that you can't produce on your own. You could try real hard. And I see Sydney and Kendall trying, and even Sydney told me one day, she's like, I, I really try to do it, but I, I just can't. And I explained to her how sinful she is and how horribly evil she is. And, uh, but the reality is, you know what? That's what happens. Without the Son, Jesus Christ, living inside of us, without the Holy Spirit, the battery, so to speak, inside of us, living out from inside, all it is is the Christian life is just a frustrating experience. And it's a hollow experience and maybe not even a, a, a situation where you could actually call yourself a Christian because you don't have Jesus living in you. And so this light is pointless. Saying that you're a light is pointless because you don't have Christ living in you. And we're going to see an example here in verse 9 and 11 of the absence of that light. If you look at verse 9 through 11, Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness, walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Notice how many times he uses the word darkness. I even underlined it for you. Darkness. He refers to this a lot in obvious contrast to the light of God, the light of who He is, that light living out inside of us. And so what, is, what does He say here? What is He saying about hatred? He says, hatred toward a fellow Christian shows that you lack light, capital L, and love, capital L. Why would we capitalize them? Just because I like to make capitals where they really don't belong? Because they're important, yes. Why else? Someone else. Why? What? I heard it over here. What? What does it stand for? Jesus. Yes, the church answer. That's all you had to give. Jesus. Raise your hand and answer Jesus. Half the time you'll be right, okay? Jesus. You lack Jesus. So if you have hatred, and again, Paul, or Paul John is writing, he's talking about brothers here. When someone that is writing is referring to brothers and sisters, he's not referring to siblings. He's not referring to their other family members physically uh, by birth. He's referring to other Christians. And he's saying, so he's saying here, look, if you have hatred toward a fellow brother or sister in Christ, you are in darkness. Let that sink in a little bit. Because unfortunately in this room, many of you have hatred towards somebody right now. Somebody who calls himself a Christian, someone who is a Christian, and you hate them. But if you read these verses, you see that this darkness in your life cannot exist with the light. It's impossible. If this room was pitch black, and I turned on this little flashlight, it would light up this room. But some of us in here have hatred in our heart. We store up hatred and bitterness and anger in our heart. And the darkness overwhelms us. And he even points again 
if this is a continued action of hatred, and and an action of hatred that is not confessed and is the Holy Spirit doesn't convict about it, he actually points out that you are living in the darkness. That you abide in the darkness. And guess what that means? You really don't know Jesus. Do you understand that? I want you guys to get that very clearly. Now, there's times where you get in fits of rage and anger over something that someone's done, and, and you even say, man, I hate that person. Some of you go as far as even to think that about your mom and dad or your teachers. And if they are Christians, this is the reality of it is this. Hopefully, prayerfully, the Holy Spirit will convict you of that and cause you to confess and, and seek forgiveness. But if you are going on and living no big deal in this attitude of hatred towards somebody, a fellow Christian, and you continue in that attitude, John is saying, you actually might not be a Christian. Actually, he doesn't say you might not. He says you're not. So I want you to think about this hatred that's in your heart right now. Some of you kind of like just soften up hatred, right? Sometimes my parents were like, don't say you hate someone. You, you, or don't even say you hate something. Just say, I strongly dislike. <laughs> you know? It's like, okay, I strongly dislike. In other words, I hate it, <laughs> right? And so some of us try to like maybe Christianize it or whatever, you know, and we kind of make it no big deal. And the reality is it's hate. And it's in our hearts, it's in our lives, and it's in the way we act toward that person. Some of us walk the other way when someone comes this way. When someone tries to call, maybe a a, a dad or mom that's abandoned the family or or divorced the spouse, you hold hatred and anger and bitterness inside. And it eats you alive. And John is saying, this is darkness. Look at what he says here. It's kind of interesting. This downward spiral, spiral of darkness. See what he says? Look at, look at here. He says uh, he has this, this kind of a thing that goes... What in the world? Yeah, it's okay, guys. Just leave it alone. Uh, so he has this downward spiral. He says, anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness, walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. So it's kind of this, this issue where you are in the darkness first, right? Picture this. You're kind of in it. You're kind of around it. And the Holy Spirit, there's really no conviction there, or maybe there is, and you kind of ignore it. Then it kind of progresses, right? It goes down a little further, and you're, you're, you're walking in it now. You're walking in this darkness. And then once you walk in it for a while, you're blinded by it. And this darkness starts to overtake your life, and this hatred overtakes your life, and you're blinded by your hatred. And then lastly... You're just you're you're totally consumed by it, and you really have nowhere else to go. It's kind of interesting as we look at it, where we just kind of hang out in that darkness. We're tempted by that darkness. Then we start to walk a little bit in it, kind of like Psalm one refers to this too. Psalm one talks about sitting. It's kind of like flirting with sin, t- walking with sin, talking with those that are in darkness, and then finally you just sit down in the dark and you don't move. You actually start to enjoy it. And some of you have this hatred in your heart, and it's almost like a little pet you have. I think weird thoughts sometimes. 
hatred and a pet. Alright? Think with me. You have this little hatred going on, this anger going on, and you hold on to it because that's your way of getting back at that person in your head and in your heart. Maybe no one else even sees it. Maybe it's an internal thing, but you keep it there, this little hatred you have, and you pet it, and you say, I'm so glad I have you because it makes me feel better. I get angry and I punch a wall, or I see their picture and I throw darts at it, or whatever it is that you do, and you just you nurture that little hatred puppy, and you just say, wow, isn't this great? You're such a great pet to have, right? Sounds ridiculous, but guess what? You should be laughing at yourself. Because you keep this hatred inside. You hold it inside. And this hatred eats you alive. And this darkness overwhelms you. And the reality is, you can't be a child of the light when you live in this darkness. Uh, there's a, I think another slide Paul is talking about here in Titus 3.3. 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. So you think this is something new? You think this hatred thing is new? Paul said, no, sorry. People have been hating each other since the beginning of time. Look at Cain and Abel. Go back to that story, look it up. Brothers killing each other. So these passages are, are powerful. Proverbs 26.24 Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. That pet I was talking about, that hatred... Harboring it in your heart. Keeping it there. That's your little spot where you can hate that person. You can keep them in there. Keep them locked in some, some darkness that you can go to. And so another passage, uh, what does Jesus say about it? He says in Luke 6.27, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Wow. Really? I'm not just supposed to be in the same room with them? I'm not just going to be so kind to them, I'll just walk by them and actually allow them to be in my presence. What does He say to do to your enemies? Do good and to love them. Wow, really? That's pretty powerful and pretty convicting. Do good. Love them. The opposite of hate. What about you as we wrap this up? What kind of hatred is in your heart? Have you been disguising your hatred as just maybe a sugar-coated hatred, you know, a watered-down hatred? I just dislike that person. I just don't like to be around them. I, I just, and then it goes, I can't stand to be in the same room as them. <clears throat> I don't even want them around me. And it just continues to grow. Is there something or someone, someone like that in your life that you can picture even now as I'm talking? It's a challenge this morning from the Word. You can't live in hatred and be in the light. You can't continue to live in this darkness and call yourself a Christian because you're supposed to be the light. You're supposed to be the love. You're supposed to be showing God's love to others as you abide in Him, yet you continue in this darkness of hatred. And last thing, just look at the slide, the challenge as we get ready to pray and go to our breakouts. Is there evidence of God's true love and light in this area, in how you feel and act toward your brothers and sisters in Christ. For you students right now, I would guess that this applies mostly to your parents, to your teachers, maybe fellow classmates, 
But I know a lot of times in junior high, you deal with this a lot with your parents. Because you have such strong emotions and your emotions are still developing and you're not even sure what to do with them. You know, this, this, this anger overwhelms you, this hatred because they didn't let you do something or they said something to you. Or maybe they really did hurt you. It's not just them throwing their rules on you. Sometimes those parents really do hurt you. But you are not given permission by anything in God's Word to ever hate. The only hate that is involved is the hatred of sin itself. And so today, I want to pray with you guys, and hopefully in your breakouts, as you finish in your prayer time, as you finish breakouts, you can have a time of reconciliation, a time of confession of your hatred that is the opposite of light, the darkness that shows itself in this way. Let's pray. Dear God, we, uh, we pray for these students right now. Many of them are dealing with hatred and anger and bitterness toward a fellow brother or sister, whether it's in the form of a parent, a teacher, a friend, or even a sibling, brother or sister, or whatever it is. Lord, I pray that You'll work on their hearts. Convict them by Your Holy Spirit to not walk in this darkness, to see that You came to give them victory to give them hope, to give them a conquering spirit over the power of anger and bitterness. I pray that they will kill that pet of hatred. That they will just see that they can have victory through the power of Your Son. Not anything that they do in their own power, but through abiding in You. Being with You in the Word. Being with You in prayer. Seeing that You can give them love for their enemies and even point them to good that they can do for them. In your name we pray.